I am Paula Shade Anozier. Welcome to another episode of the SNC podcast, the final episode of season two, to be precise. Thank you to everyone who has supported us since season one. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to all our amazing guests who made season two so awesome. I am most, most grateful. As always, a gentle reminder to please don't forget to leave comments and subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, and Stitcher Radio. It helps others discover the show and helps us grow. Now, wrapping up season two is my interview with Maka, a singer and songwriter based in Lagos, Nigeria. Maka has been singing since she was in the university. She graduated, went on to law school, and began practicing as a corporate attorney. Eventually, after some prodding from her boss, once he discovered that she was moonlighting as an artist, she stepped away from the legal field and faced her life as a full-time professional musician head-on. Welcome to the show, Maka. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Pleasure is all mine. Now, just to dive right in, as a child, what was it like growing up in a university environment? Because your parents are academics. Yes. So what was that like for you? It was... It was pretty normal, but I guess we didn't really have to deal with the issues of um, security because um, growing up around the campus was very safe. On campus, you mean Unilag? Yes, yes. Unilag is safe. And we we basically grew up indoors anyway. <laughs> We're always indoors. I rarely know my neighbors, honestly, even like till now. It's a very private community. Yeah. So it was... I had a lot of fun growing up as a kid. I'm I'm the only daughter, so I'm surrounded by boys, so I was a bit of a tomboy, always playing wrestling with the boys. <laughs> did you used to watch wrestling as a child? Yes, 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 I did. Who was your favorite? Obviously, Undertaker. I know! Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Brett the Hitman Hart? I don't know that guy. Oh. Yeah. I guess I never really went too into it, but it was like the... The normal ones, Undertaker, Kane, and um, John Cena. I think that's pretty much it. I had a fun childhood. Enjoyed myself a lot. Played football in secondary school, so I always used to enjoy myself. Yeah, when I read that you were talking about, I was like, uh, that's my kindred spirit. Because if you see, I have so many scars. Yeah, but we're trying to treat them because we're grown now. Uh, seriously, trying to get the sexy on, right? You know? <laughs> Well, that's cool. So, obviously, people who know you, you are a singer, but specifically, you're a soul singer. Yes. So, why the genre soul as opposed to being poppy or R&B? Yeah, um, a lot of people don't know this, but before the whole soul singer came out, I actually tried a little bit of pop, and I just found out that I was forcing it, yeah? I mean, my pop songs were not bad at all. Going by the popular standard, it wasn't bad, but I found out that I wasn't proud of the songs and I couldn't just play them to anybody without feeling, without trying to explain, you know, when, before you play the song. Like, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, that happened like so many times. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is not what I want to do. And the realization really hit me when I went out of Lagos for one year. I went for law school in Kano. So, you really did your homework. So I was there and it just kind of changed a lot of things for me. It just made me realize that you only live once and you have to do what you have to do, what you love doing. And then I decided that when I got back to Lagos, I was going to do the kind of music that I wanted to do. 
So you felt like that time in Kano just really made you decide that this was... Yeah, that was also when I started to cut my hair. I literally came back on like a Friday and then the Saturday I cut my hair. What did your friends and family say? They, obviously they were like surprised, but it's Maka. Like I've always been experimental with my hair. Even when I used to make, um, I spoke weaves and braids. I never went for black or brown. I always had like weird colors, so it wasn't surprising. They were like, oh, you finally done everything you can do, yeah? It's now to cut it. I was like, yeah. Because when I, was, when I saw you before we did the interview, it was purple. Yeah. But now it's like, now it's back to black, yeah. Now, you are also a lawyer, for those who do not know. Yes, yes, I am. Did you practice? Yes, I did. Yeah, for two years. What was that like? Torture. <laughs> <laughs> Before you even go, what um what uh, area of law was it? Um, corporate, but it was still not fun. Um, every day I had to wear a suit to work. It was torture. Like, I like to be casual. And um, reading lots of papers, reading. Oh, my God. It was so many pages. And unfortunately for me, I was my boss's favorite. So he would always call me even during the weekend to come to the office to work. So it was it was just annoying. It was, I just had to, I had to leave. I had to, there was no other choice. Yeah. But I think I read somewhere that you said that even though you don't practice law anymore, those skills, and I think that even if, even without you saying it, just also me being a lawyer, those skills can never die. Like even when it comes to contracts that you sign as an artist, you know, deals, like you have that mindset, you have those skills to bring to into the table. Yes, yes. And people already try to be careful around you. Once once they find out that, oh, you're a lawyer, they, they already double take, yeah. Now, how did you make that transition to saying, practicing for two years, it was all on good people, deuces to music? I'd been singing since I was in the university, yeah? And so even when I started work, it didn't really change. I was still trying to pursue my career. So my boss kind of found out that I was also trying to be a musician. So he called me out on it and I was like, yes, I like that. That has always been my passion. That has always been my dream. And so I figured, okay, maybe he's going to like fire me or ask me to just resign or something or tell me to stop what I was doing. Next thing was, why haven't you invited me to come watch your performances? I was like, okay. And luckily for me, I had a show the Friday. So he came through some of my other colleagues and he came with his friends. And it was a show at Freedom Park. Yeah, so they came and he was like blown away. And like since then, he, he would always check up on me like career-wise. Until he he was like, you know, like, don't you really want to pursue this music thing that you're really young and this law thing will always be there because it's a profession that you can do for like the rest of your life. So um, we had that talk in his office and coincidentally, I was already thinking about when to resign, like the right time to resign. And about like a month or two after that talk, I told him that I was going to be leaving. And he was like, OK, good luck. I wish you luck, blah, blah, blah. Don't forget me when you blow <laughs> That's cool. Just to keep in touch. Yeah, once in a while. Yeah. You released an EP, The Truth. Mm-hmm. And I remember that the press release mentioned that apparently when you were making the EP, it came true and pure to you. Yeah. And that you were not trying to please anyone but yourself. Yes. Now, although you said that when you were in Kano, that was when you found your voice and your sound. When you're making the EP, was that a scary thing for you to accept that I'm making music and it's supposed to please me and not, you know, listeners per se? I've always believed that anything good sells itself, you know, and I had already seen 
the 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 pioneers of the alternative quote unquote genre like Asha, Neka, Timmy, Dari and the rest of them, like they had tried and succeeded. So it's like why should I be afraid? Like if it's good, it's good. People would love it. Not necessarily everyone, but enough people to pay for me to pay my bills. Yeah, because that's what I'm looking out for music. I just want to feed my family and my kids, you know, from from doing music. So I wasn't really scared, you know. Um it was it was so much fun making it. So like I wasn't even afraid. I just I wasn't thinking about oh who's gonna love it? Is this gonna sell? I just wanted to make something good that I believed in and just test it out. And it worked out. And it worked out, yeah. And that was back in 2015. Now, I think I want to just make, make a point that I'm glad that you said that I want to make music and also make money from it. Because when I hear yeah. people say like, oh, I just want to make music, I'm like, they lying. Unless they got a 95. You know what I'm trying to say? Or like you're a trust fund kid. Just, you know, so they lying. Because <laughs> I think people mistake musicians and artists for just being like, whatever, whatever. Like we're just hippies. Just want to go through life smelling flowers. <laughs> no, no, you like Bentley and like money. <laughs> No, that's cool. Now, um, I wanted to just quickly ask, although it was released in 2015, the EP, The Truth. 2016. 2016, sorry. What are your favorite songs? Um, I like Circle. I like Monagi. I like um, Good Time. Then I like Lagos because everybody likes it. Yeah, that's basically the rest of them. Yeah. Really? <laughs> you don't like Forever? I mean, like, I love all the songs on my EP, but... Do you think every parent loves the kids equally? Because I think that's a lie. You think your parents like like you? I feel like my mom loves my younger brother more than me, but it's okay. She gives me money when I ask her, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I tell my mom that sometimes because I have a younger brother. And I'm like, I don't think you love us equally. But she says that she does. It's a lie. You can't love anything equally. It's not possible. I think she says that it's possible, but that you can't. You only love them in different ways. Yeah, like that's a nice way to just put it. You know, that's another way to put it. All right, cool. Now, you also have worked with Techzilla. Yes. Now, what is it about tech that drew you to him? Because when I interviewed him, I asked him when he started working with you. And according to him, the producer in him said that, you know, he thought that, you know, he, you had been trying to work with him for a while, but he wanted you to, I guess, quote unquote, prove that you were really into this music thing. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, okay, um, Tech is um, my really close friend's cousin. So um, she's been there from day one. And at the time, Tech was still out of, of the country. He hadn't come back. though. So she was like, oh, she, had, she um, has this cousin who is a producer, but he's not in the country, but he'll be coming back anytime from now. So she'd like us to hook up and, you know, just see if we would vibe and let him listen to me. And I, and I talked to him, basically. Back then, I think it was Blackberries we were using. So, like, we were just... Um, so she gave me his pin and we started, like, um, chat conversation. Yeah, so we would always talk through Blackberry and I will send him anything new I'm doing and then he will critique and then he will tell me, okay, this is, this is da, da, da. And that went on for a while. I didn't really know him. He was just a face and a name. You get So um, he hit me up one day. That was like months after we had been talking on phone that he would be coming back for like a couple of months. 
and he'd like us to meet finally. So that happened, and instantly there was a connection. So we just became like really good friends. And he went back and came back, you know, like things like that were just happening. But we just kept the relationship going, knowing that okay, maybe after school we'll finally go into this like full time. And he was always like that big brother, always checking and critiquing my work, just seeing the growth basically, because like he's been there since the first time I ever went into the studio, even though like he wasn't there physically, but he had always listened to everything that I put out. Yeah, so he came back, I think in 2015 or 2014, I can't remember. So um, he was back for a year think he had to work with Chuck City. Yeah, so he was like, you know what? I have a studio at my disposal, so come through, let's see what we can, you know, do. So I went to their office, the studio, and the first beat he played for me, it was like, okay, finally, like, this is exactly what I want to do. You know, like, when I was in Kano, I, I had already started writing. In fact, the first song that I released in 2015 was written in Kano so I was like wow like this is exactly the kind of music that I want to make so before we knew it he played me the track three the instrumental on um that's FMH yeah that was the first beat he played me at the studio and I was like wow like the clock in my head started ticking and I wrote to it immediately and before I knew it he was like you know what let's make more and I was like, yeah, we should compile it, you know, and like drop a mixtape. He said, no, mixtape is not the word, it's an EP. I said, cool, you know better. <laughs> yeah, so we did that. I I was, um, I think it probably took us about like a month to finish everything. Yeah. Well, that's cool. One thing he said that he loves about you is that you listen. Yeah. <laughs> Only when, when I think it makes sense. Yeah. If it doesn't make sense, the, the lawyer in me comes out because I'm like, nah, you gotta like make sense. <laughs> Yeah, but tech makes sense most of the time. And then, you know that tech is strictly, he produces, not strictly, but he produces more hip-hop. Yeah, more hip-hop, yeah. Did, were you a little apprehensive? Oh, no, I've always loved hip-hop. No, no, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes people feel like, oh, maybe they don't want that to be the first person that they work with because maybe they feel like that may pigeonhole them. Yes, I think um, I'm actually having that happening right now. Yeah, because um, even like two days ago, there was this producer from the UK who reached out to me and he was like, oh, wow, like I heard your music on SoundCloud. I want to work with you. I want to send you like some beats. I was like, okay, cool. So he emailed me yesterday and I listened to them. I'm like, yeah, this is definitely me and tech stuff. So it's like I'm becoming like known for the hip hop. Meanwhile, like I have other elements, like my Christmas song of last year was jazz. I'm a jazz singer. I have a jazz, I have like two or three jazz songs in my, in my bank. I haven't just released them yet. My problem is too many songs. I record all the time. I feel like if I decide not to write anymore, I can still put out like 10 albums. I write music every morning, but like since December, I haven't written because I told myself that, you know what, you need to do something with the ones you already have. So I interviewed um, one of our mutual friends, DJ Mo, and he talked about you both collaborating on the theme song for the TV series Indigo. Yeah. So can you talk to us about what that process was like? Yeah, that was something new. Being a songwriter is a part of my career that I've always wanted to realize. Yeah, I've I've always wanted to like um, explore 
the path of a songwriter so when dj mo hit me up and he was like um there's a tv series and you know um i told him that you could do the the music and i was like oh this is so much fun this is going to be exciting so i mostly wrote the songs first because i play a little bit of the piano i double um so and i have a keyboard at home so i wrote most of the songs in fact all of the songs i wrote them at home and dj mo and i now produce them together and um pardon that's your baby producer you know <laughs> most of my songs i co-produce them because i already create them yeah except for the stuff with tech on the truth ep but the other ones i already like create the instrumental and then the producer just works on it and stuff so it's mostly like co-production yeah so dj mo and i did that and we called the the actors and they learned the song. It was just like really fun. I was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do, you know. I want to do this. And since then, I've been writing like a lot of songs for people, like jingles and for other artists. And it's been cool. Yeah. And you're getting paid for it. Oh, definitely. As I said, even if it's not even the artistry, you know, it's just a tiny part of the music industry. It's like it's so big. So I just want to be connected to it in some way. So even if it's songwriting or even vocal coaching or you, you get or being an artist it's just music has to pay i think that people just really we, it's funny how we limit ourselves and we don't understand how huge the music industry is like there's so many facets so many you don't have to be a singer you don't have to be a rapper yeah, at all you can be a vocal coach you can be an arranger you know and there's so much you know yeah it's just i think it's nigeria yeah i think because most of my clients haven't even been nigerian yeah, my songwriting clients. Because a lot of Nigerians would, wouldn't even want to have a songwriter. So they like, uh, no, I, I don't need a songwriter. I can do it myself. I just interviewed um, Clem and Kublon. And Clem was talking about the fact that, you know, when he first started out, it was a struggle for him to get credit on songs that he's written for other people. And again, it's the thing that, you know, Maka, you may not be good at writing songs, but you're an awesome singer. So why can't I write a song for you? She's going to say, Shade wrote the song for me. Like, because songwriting and publishing is another aspect of the industry. And I guess maybe because Nigeria, we are still growing. And maybe because that industry is not well developed. But I just don't understand how, like, if Maka writes a song for me, and that song, be, and not, not, even if it doesn't become successful, Maka writes a song for me. Why can't I credit Maka for the work that she's done? You know, you don't even really have to even say it out, like, with the mouth. Like, oh, this person wrote. It has to be in the tag. Mm-hmm. It has to be written like in the song, yeah. But anywho, we can't. I don't just to go on a <laughs> on another rant. Now, one of my favorite tracks from you is "Sinna," which featured Boogie. Now, what was the inspiration behind that song? And but uh, let me, let me even break the question down. What was the inspiration behind that song? Um, it was basically me singing my truth. You know, like not everything I write is um my own experience. But "Sinna" is one of the few songs that it was actually my own experience and and i felt that it was something that wasn't new to anybody because like we're not we're all striving for perfection and righteousness so i i just put that in a song and a lot of times the instrumental tells me what to sing so so that instrumental that tech sent me is just cried out that topic and and i went with it what made boogie the right choice for the song boogie um undisputedly is, is one of the the best mcs in nigeria so definitely there was there had come a time where we were going to work together and we, we already had that personal relationship I, i'm i was on his ep 
that's incognito. So it just made sense to to work with him. I knew that he was going to give the song the lyrics it deserved, like the message. I knew he was going to bring out the message the way that I wanted it to sound. Yeah. We talked about the fact that your background is in the law, um, which has also been beneficial to you when you had to read contracts and all these different things. Now, can you speak more about, because also you're still like, you know, up and coming and trying to build your brand. Can you speak more about upcoming artists who are always like eager to sign any record deal they just they could just sign up well i mean everybody has their own dream everybody has their own aspirations my own dream is to own my own you know is to build my own empire but sometimes you might have to work for somebody to get that you know to get there so um for me it's i wouldn't necessarily want to say oh i want to get signed but if it so happens that that is a deal definitely would take my time make sure everything is spelled out to the z you know yeah because a lot of artists just by oh no you know they see a house they see cars they're like they want to sign when if i were to get a record deal i probably would like do away with all that because they forget that you have to pay that back. The label has to recoup all that. Yeah. So it's like more wasting on your head. Yeah. So it's like, don't just rush into doing it. But it's really hard for independent artists out there. So that's why they just want to rush into, you know, just getting the financial burden off and having someone else just, you know. But I've had close friends who, I'm telling you, could have been really great. They could have been better than what they are now if they didn't sign a record deal like these guys got signed and it's like the record label just messed their careers up like if i tell you their names like off camera like you'd be like oh yeah that's true this this guy is like they were really dope because i'm sure you would know them they had so much potential but they got signed and it just messed everything up and i think that also speaks to the fact that a lot of times as individuals we sometimes want to rush the process as opposed to ensuring that when you're going to a label even if you're not the best singer like Maka or like Shadi <laughs> I like to see myself like <laughs> go girl <laughs> you write song for me I'll sing it I'll produce <laughs> like, even if you're not the best singer but at least you have like a strong foundation and the label is helping you become a better representation of who you want to be as I am now like where I am any label who wants to come in already knows okay this is who maka is yeah you need to you need to have bargaining power and a lot of artists don't have that and so that when they get signed and nothing is really moving they get frustrated and it breeds enmity between the ceo and the artist before you know everyone is airing their dirty laundry you know with the, on social media it's just a big mess it's crazy you did a refix of Jay's The Story of OJ, which you your refix was called Boxed In, yeah. Now, can you speak about what led to the decision to do the refix? Um, okay, number one, Nina Simone is a queen, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. Um, then hearing that song that I've always liked, you know, Turn Into Hip Hop by Jay-Z, I was like, okay, yes, now the gods have spoken. Maka, you know you have to do yours. So I, I just had to and both songs were very conscious you know speaking about the same thing but in different ways so i just had to you know explain it how i saw it you know with my own in my own way using my home as the as the muse now onto the fun random questions 
first question is, which fictional character do you think would be the most boring to meet in real life? Uh, which fictional character? Could be from a TV show, cartoon, whatever. Okay. Why isn't this coming to me? Like, boring. I don't know about boring. <laughs> I know about boring. But um, let me just say Blackish. Yeah. The daughter, the first Yara. Yeah. But her character, not her, not her in real life. Yeah. She's like my least favorite character in Blackish. Like, the rest of the kids are more interesting than she is. So it's like, I don't know why she has her own show now. It's like, psh. Hopefully, maybe she wins you over. With- I actually tried watching two episodes of Grownish. And I was, I was like, nah, this is for 12-year-olds or 13-year-olds. Like, it's such such a girl flick. Like, it's ugh, it's not for me at all, man. I'm not going to follow Grownish. It's you being a tomboy as well. It's like, why, why am I here? All right. Second question is, what do you do when you feel like all hope is lost? Mm, I go to, like, a serene place. Like, where we are right now. Like, during the day, it's like nobody's here. I'm just, yeah. Um, I pray and I drink. Okay, that's cool. Third question is, name two, because uh, I read that you like movies and cartoons. So, can you name two of your favorite movies and two favorite cartoons? Man, I don't have, like, an all-time favorite movie. But from last year, I love Baby Driver. You didn't see it. You should see it. I love Baby Driver. And maybe one of the movies that I've seen, like, too many times in one of the older movies, um... Parent Trap, yeah, and then any Marvel movie, really, I, I really like Marvel, yeah. What about cartoons? Cartoons, any Disney cartoon that comes out, yeah, and to be honest, like, I'm too, like, my heart is too big to have a favorite anything, so I like any Disney cartoon. I like Tom and Jerry, obviously, but I haven't seen it in, like, forever. Okay, do you like Lion King? Yep. Final question is that you have to pick five people for your dream team. So it's like your dream music team, not dream basketball team, okay? The options you have are Sade, yeah. Eminem, Frank Sinatra, Asha, Bella, Billie Holiday, Erica Badu, Amy Winehouse, Pharrell, or Christina Aguilera. Wow. It's like, I don't even know, man. But five, okay. Five, um, Eminem, uh... Chris Nagalera, Frank Sinatra, Fela, Amy Winehouse. Maka, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for doing this, man. It's fun. The SNC podcast is produced by Fola Shade Anozie and Tommy Wafaomi. To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's T H E S N C. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.